Well, good morning. It's nice to see you got your husband to church again. That was good. Thank you for doing I know, I know, but thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it was good. Listen, I, I, just, I, I just want you, um, <laughs> no, that's good. Just throw them on. How's that, how's, that, how's that spot in the middle of the back, you know, the one you can't reach the knife, you know, just can't do that. Um, man, I'm so glad you guys are here. It has been an insane week um, for so many of us. And everything, but it's good just to be together. I mean, listen, I, I, I'm just a person that um, I'm never going to mind screaming kids in church. I'm never going to mind kids running around and stuff like that because you know what? They're here and families are here. And you know what? Family is messy and the church is messy and that's what makes it amazing. That we can come together, even with all the stuff that's happening in our lives and, and going on, that we get a time where we get to come together and just be a family, to sing, to enjoy one another, to catch up, and, and to do that. And so I'm so glad that you're here. My heart aches when I miss. So I, I'm thinking about vacation now at the end of uh, June where I'll be away for a couple weeks. And I'm not that I want to go on vacation. I'm missing that, man, I don't want to miss I don't want to miss church with you guys. Um because, I mean, does your heart ever ache when you're away from your family? That's how I feel about you guys. So I'm, I'm so glad you're here and stuff. And, and, and I'm single right now because my wife went up to take care of my daughter again and, and all this stuff. I have my mother-in-law. That's good. But it's not the same. So if you feel bad for me, um, I love meat <laughs> <laughs> that I don't have to cook. So no, that's good. But hey, um, we are just continuing this series and story. And in July, we're going to take kind of a little break because every summer we do kind of an at the movies, um, a fun time where we just go over like some current movies and do sermons. And then we have a family movie night in July. And, and I'm actually working on I don't know if you got a chance to see um, I Can Only Imagine, but we're going to be showing that here in July. Um, what, what a great story that is. And so um, for this morning, we're just continuing on uh, through this series and everything. And if you were here last week, um, we, we kind of jumped ahead a little bit in chapter six and we got introduced to some new people. Um, we got we got introduced to a guy named Stephen um, and, and these guys that basically the first deacons of the church, these servants of the church and the idea that people come together. And when we're at church, we all have a job. And we all have to do it together, and we team up, and we have different gifts and different abilities and everything. But, but I just want to start from the onset to let you know that you want to follow Jesus with all your heart, with all your mind, all your strength. And you want to do that, that at times there's going to be a cost to that. Um, th- this is not an easy path. Um, it, it's, it is easy because we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, but it is against everything. And, and we're going to start seeing over the next couple of weeks, there, there's a cost to following Jesus in a world that is diametrically against going in an opposite direction of what we're doing. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, um, we're going to talk about running your race and doing the thing that God has called you to do, no matter where that leads. So you have your Bibles turned to Acts chapter 7 for me. If you don't have a Bible, we have them spread out. If you want to sign in, um, log in, use your phone or your tablet or your electronic device, you can just um, uh, find GBC Guest and type in Find More, all lower caps, and, and you can follow along with that way. Um, if you do not have like a Bible app or something on your phone, because I'm serious, we live in a day and time where there's no reason for anybody on this planet not to have Scripture at hand. 
on them and stuff. And so just talk to us. We'll help you out with that. Um, for those that are technologically challenged a little bit and stuff, I'm not doing anything with text messages, ladies. I'm just telling you that is your issue. Is that those text messages just went out like crazy, and so um, I'm just going to help you find the Bible so you know where to turn when that thing happens to you again. But um, if you have your Bibles again, turn to Acts chapter 7, and as always this morning, um, please understand that these are the only important words that are going to be spoken today. They're, they're the only words that matter, um, and, and I love that I get the opportunities week after week just to stand up and open this book and share with you. And so I've acknowledged that. Would you stand with me as we read in Acts chapter 7, starting at verse 54. It says, And when they heard these things, they were enraged and gnashed their teeth at him. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they yelled at the top of their voices, covered their ears, and together rushed against him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And while they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. And after saying this, he died. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. God, thank you for all the, the craziness and the trials of this week, Father, that you use those things just to draw us to you. Um, God, there's, there's so many times that we get so busy in our lives that um, um, we don't take time just to stop and look and follow you, God. And so you use all of it. You use the good, you use the bad, you use all of it just to continue to shape us. Father, thank you for the good report this week of people feeling better and, and God, that you are bringing healing and doing that. We just trust you for more of that. Um, in our midst, but God, this morning, um, speak to us. God, let these words be your words, not mine. God, penetrate our hearts. Father, I, I believe with all my heart that you are doing something amazing in, in our midst. God, and it's easy to overlook it with the struggles and the trials and the things that come at us. God, let us see you today. Let us, let us be overwhelmed by your presence today. Let us be overwhelmed by your grace. May we be encouraged and challenged and changed today. Father, give us ears to hear and hearts to respond. And may you get all the glory. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as, as I said, we, we, kinda, we introduced this guy named Stephen. And stuff, and, and the idea about the, um, you know, people stepping up in in the early church, it was just becoming overwhelming. There were so many people coming, so many people um, joining the movement and being part of that. It just became overwhelming. The apostles just couldn't do it all. And, and so that everyone has a job, and I, and I believe that with all my heart. I believe if you're a person looking for purpose, if you're looking for meaning, the best place to find it is in a church. Um, because I, I think we are wired. I think God places us in places um, because he has something for us to do. He has something that we need to do and everything. But that doesn't always lead to a good place. I, I know there's a group of people out there preaching today that like, hey, if you just obey and you do good and, and you just do what God tells you, everything's just going to work out perfect for you. You're going to get the house and the boat. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, it does not always end up that way. This is not an easy life. 
This takes every day. I know personally every day I have to get up and say, God, today is the day that you've given me. Today is the day. Um, I'm not promised tomorrow. You have given me today. And so just give me the strength to be obedient. You give me strength. And, and, and so often it's easy to do that here. You know, it's easy to sing the songs with other people singing and everything. But out there, it gets a little bit harder, doesn't it? In, in the workplace and in the neighborhoods and, and everything that's going on in, in our lives. And so um, I, I just want you to know that we have a race set before us. That you were created to run. And some days the road is smooth and some days it's really, really bumpy. But I hope at the end of the day you leave encouraged just saying, I'm going to finish that race that, that's before me because that's exactly what has happened here. And so I'm going to go back up just a little bit, and I'm not going to read all of this. I encourage you this week to go back and read Chapter 7, um, this great sermon by Stephen. Here's a guy that's just basically he's been discipled. He's growing up. He's serving God. He's serving in the church and everything. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing and everything, and it gets him in trouble with everyone else. In, in fact, at the beginning at the end of chapter 6, there's a bunch of people that come together, and they're getting mad at Stephen because he's preaching pretty loud, and he's getting pretty bold, and, and he's doing all kinds of stuff, and, and they're getting mad. They're saying, like, this isn't just some little thing happening, just a little party that's going to go away. Um, we, we've talked in the past about the Sadducees, and, and they didn't believe in the resurrection, so they hated that these people were claiming the resurrection of Christ. They hated that this little Jewish sect, this little tiny group gathering of people is starting to spread throughout Jerusalem. And they're starting to get a little worried about it. And here's this new guy, Stephen, that is just bold. And so they arrest him, they take him, and they bring him before the entire Sanhedrin, the ruling body of the Jews. And here's Stephen with a chance to just speak and defend himself. And what does he do? He preaches a sermon. And it is an amazing sermon. And like I said, I encourage you that you would just go through and read this. You know, one of the things I love about Scripture is that God's grace, God's plan is from beginning to end. There are so many people today that sit here and go, well, I'm a New Testament Christian. So I'm just going to sit in the New Testament. I'm going to tell you something. You can't have the new without the old. You can't get a complete picture unless you understand old. And so here's Stephen standing from all, and he starts preaching. And he goes all the way back to like there was Abraham. Remember Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham? I don't think he did the march thing. But he goes all the way back to Abraham and says, remember God called him in the promise and the covenant God made that he would have a son and that, and that you know, there would be a great nation and they would bless all people. Go all the way back in our history. And if you didn't know this, the Jewish people, the Israelites, they have always been God's chosen people, but they've been chosen to be a blessing to the rest of the world, to be the priests, to be the preachers, to the rest of the world, so the rest of the world will know. And so all the way back in Abraham, he goes all the way back there and sees that. Remember the story of Abraham and his son, Isaac? God says, oh, okay, now you've had your son, you've been waiting all these years, let's go sacrifice him. And at the last minute, God says, nope, not him. I provided a substitution. Wow, does that sound familiar? And so Stephen goes from Abraham, and then he gets into Moses, or the patriarchs, and he talks about how this nation was formed and how it grew and everything. And, man, you want to talk about, like, a messy family? You talk about those brothers. I mean, we just saw a little bit of video with what they did to their, their younger brother, Joseph. 
They were not all good people. They did a lot of stupid stuff, which I love. Again, I, I think I said this like two weeks ago. If, if I was going to like, like start a movement and everything, I would get all the bad stuff out, and I would just say, like, here's how good it is. But God's like, I want you to see the whole picture, that even when you were at your lowest and doing the worst things, God redeems it, and he still uses it, and he takes the bad and turns it into good. And so he goes through the patriarchs, and then he gets to, to Moses, one of the most revered people still to this day in, in, Jewish, in, in Jewish culture, which always makes it interesting to me. You can, you can do anything. You can say anything about Jesus, but, I mean, you say anything about Muhammad, you say anything about Moses, you're in trouble because they're revered and everything. And even Moses, he had his problems. Moses tried to take control and everything by murdering an Egyptian. And then he goes away for 40 years and, and, and God teaches him leadership and God teaches him what it means to be a shepherd, to lead his people and everything. And even with that, you, you see the people still not trusting God. I mean, literally, God splits the Red Sea. They walk over in dry land and a week later, they're making a golden calf to worship something else. And so over and over again, you see the rebellion of Israel against God, um, where they had turned, where David, he speaks about David, like uniting the kingdom, wanting to build a temple. But not, God said, no, David, it's going to be Solomon. Solomon builds a temple and the glory days of Israel happened. And yet in that, they were still just rebellious against God. It's amazing to me as we look at this and I look at it and I say, wow, that's my story. Over and over again. But Stephen is bold, and then all of a sudden, he gets to his point. In, in 751, he looks at these people, and he says, You stiff-necked people of uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are always resisting the Holy Spirit. As your ancestors did, you do also. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They even killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You received the law under the direction of angels and yet have not kept it. Boldness. Standing tall, knowing that every word that he says is just making it. Stephen was obedient. He, he didn't care about like, well, what's going to happen to me? Someone's not going to like this. He spoke truth. And I think we're commanded still to do it today. Whether it's in our business, it's in our home, it's in our neighborhood. We are commanded to speak truth. And that's risky. It's, it's always going to be risky. I understand. I get the butterflies in my stomach. I remember I was talking to one of the managers at... at, at um, Universal saying, like, how can we help people? Because there's so many people struggling and working here. And he's a Christian. He's like, well, you know, good that I know you're a pastor, you know, but we got to kind of keep that on the down low. I'm like, I've already told everyone that I'm a pastor. And honestly, if someone comes up to me and asks me, like, hey, can I talk to you about this? What's your faith about? I told my manager, I'm going to speak. If that costs me my job, then I don't need to work here. And the entire time, my inside was saying, shut up, Tony. <laughs> shut up. That, that, that was Stephen, and I think we are called still to stand tall. 
We're called to stand upon his word. We're called to stand upon his grace and his love. And I'm not saying go out there and just tell everybody, hey, you're all going to hell. That's not your job. That's not my job. It's our job to share the truth. And sometimes that truth is not going to be received well at all. In fact, this was an unwelcome message. Look what happens right after Stephen says this. Of course, he just called them stiff-necked, stubborn, stupid people. Verse 54, it says, when they heard these things, they were enraged and gnashed their teeth at him. I I want you to know right off the bat that the gospel is going to offend a lot of people. You have the audacity to stand up and say, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by him, and there's no other way. It's going to offend some people. It's going to anger a world that says we don't need a Jesus, we don't need a God, we can do all this on ourselves. And so there's going to be people that come at you when you stand and you speak up, and they're not going to be happy. And for some of us, that makes us kind of nervous. But can I tell you something? They're not mad at you. They're mad at the truth that you're speaking that in their heart they know is true. That's why Solomon wrote, and God has placed eternity in the hearts of people because we know there's something more. And we get uncomfortable when someone starts pointing that out. You know, it's, it's really funny to me, and like I'm not encouraging you to do this, but have you ever been to a bar? A straight bar usually has no windows. It just, they like it dark in there. A bar in a restaurant is usually in the darkest corner, the, right in the middle of the place where it's not a lot of light. Because darkness doesn't like light. In fact, all the definition of darkness is the absence of light, which means there was always supposed to be light. But darkness is the absent light. And when you shine that light, and when we shine the light as a church, or we shine that light as an individual, darkness disperses, and it's not going to make people happy. You know, I don't know how many times, like, I keep my closet light turned off and that door closed because I don't want to clean it. (laughs) You know, you ever had that phone call? You know, in-laws are coming over like, oh, shoot, put it all in that room. Close the door. They're not allowed to go in that room. Keep the door closed and everything because we like that stuff hidden. But when light enters, you can see the mess. And as we walk into areas and we carry the light, people are going to start seeing their messes. But again, it's not against you. It's against the truth that you're hearing. But notice the crowd. They were enraged. It says they, it even says they gnashed their teeth. And when you see that in the Bible, that means they were really, really angry. But there's a difference between how they respond and how we respond. Look at verse 55. Verse 55, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. You know, this has become one of my favorite verses. It's become kind of a life goal. You know why? All throughout Scripture, all throughout the New Testament, when Jesus ascended into heaven, it says, and I'm going to sit at the right hand of my Father. And the Son of Man will be, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of God. That's what the Jews got so mad about and everything during his trial and everything. They're like, blasphemy, blasphemy. But you always hear the Son of Man, the messianic title of who Jesus is and Jesus will always be, sitting at the right hand of Father. And yet here's Stephen, this little guy, 
that's just doing what he was supposed to do, and all of a sudden we see that the Son of Man is standing. What a beautiful picture. It's almost like Jesus got up from his throne to see Stephen, knowing what was about to happen, and just going, way to go, bud. I'm so proud of you. Oh, if Jesus would stand for me. If I would live my life in such a way that at the end of it, Jesus isn't sitting, he's standing saying, it's time. You've done a good job. What a beautiful goal. What a beautiful picture. And by the way, this is the last time that we hear throughout all the messages to the churches that title, Son of Man. Because it was a messianic title. It was a Jewish title. And we'll see in just a few moments how this is now not just a Jewish thing anymore. But again, just Stephen, the peace he had. He knew what was coming. He knew what was about to happen, and yet he still just looked up and says, I see the Son of Man standing for me. Everyone else is screaming and cussing and yelling, and Stephen is there just saying, whatever, whatever. Because you're not seeing what I see. What, what a beautiful, he was looking for higher approval. And that's, that's a question I have for all of us this morning. Whose approval are you looking for? Is it your boss? Is it your wife or your husband? Is it your kids? Is it your friends? No greater approval in the universe than Jesus saying, well done, my good and faithful servant and standing. It's the only approval that matters in our life. It's the only one that's going to make a difference. It's the only one that makes meaning out of all the chaos and the craziness is that approval. And so whose approval are you looking for this morning? See, I, I know everyone's talking about there's a unity and, and we need to be unified together as the human race and, and all come together. But I'm going to tell you, it, in Scripture, the way I'm reading it, there's an us and a them. There are those that have decided this, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to give my life and live obedient. And there is them that don't. And there should be a difference in, in the way we look. Look at, look at the, just the reaction of what's going on here in verse 57. Again, the crowd. And they yelled at the top of their voices, covered their ears, and together rushed against him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witness laid their garments at a feet at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. And after saying this, he died. Look at the difference between the two. I mean, you have the whole community, the world out there, just they're angry and they hear him when he says, I see the Son of Man. They get even madder. And it's almost like they're like little kids. They're saying when it says they covered their ears, literally it means they took their fingers, put them in their ears and was going, no, 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 no. We can't hear you. We can't hear you. And just the rage and the anger and everything. And then you go over and you look at Stephen and just as peacefully. He's like, Lord, I'm coming home. And by the way, don't hold this against them. Oh, does that sound familiar? The creator of everything on a cross 
says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. There, there should be a difference between the way we live and the way we respond and the way the world responds and others. There should be a difference the way the church reacts and the way organizations react outside the church. So often, we have heard more about what the church is against in the media than what we are for. Man, we need to change that. I had a good friend, he was in, at a church someplace, and, and they were there, and they were doing a gay pride march through it. And there were two churches on either side of the road. One church went out and made picket signs and stood there on the road yelling at him, saying, God, you know, you're, you're an abomination, you're horrible, you're all this stuff. The other church went and made a water stand. And so as people came by, they are like, hey, you guys thirsty? It's really hot out here. Have a bottle of water. Which do you think looked more like Jesus? I'm not saying we agree or we, we condone, but I'm saying that there is grace and there is love and we meet him. It is God's job to change hearts, not ours. It is God's job to judge. It is God's job to take care of all that. He's the final judge. It's his job. It's our job to love and say, like, there's a better way. There should be a difference in the way we respond and react. Every one of our responses should be out of love. Now, I know looking at this passage, you're like, well, pastor, great. But he died. They stoned him. And that wasn't a party. That was literally find the biggest rock that you can find and throw it at him until they died. It was a horrible way to die. In fact, a little time after this, they actually came up with, like, rules on how to. Like, they didn't really have, they had rules of, like, this, you stone somebody, but they came up with, like, a whole procedure and everything, how we're going to stone people and everything. It was a horrible way to die. But we have to remember that God promises that he brings good out of bad. No matter what. In fact, in fact, that's that's what he promises in Romans 8, 28. We know that all things, that everything together, all the stuff, the good, the bad, all of it comes together and works together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. We, we know that that doesn't mean that everything that happens to you is going to be good. It doesn't mean that you're not going to face trial or heartache or or struggle. But it means that God sees the good and the bad and he pieces it together. And in the end, it all comes together and there is good that comes out of it. And there was amazing good that came out of this young man. Because there are consequences for all our actions, you know that, right? There are consequences, either good or bad consequences. There are good or bad consequences for everything we do. And so let's see what happens. This young man that you see, like just getting started in ministry, such a powerful voice and such an ability to speak. You would think like, well, God, why didn't you let him live? Why didn't you let him like stick around? Because, man, he could have done great things. Why did you let this bad thing happen to this young man and everything? Because out of it, God pulls good. First of all, the consequences is for the Jews. This was kind of their third strike. For the Jews, they 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 allowed they allowed John the Baptist to be headed. God's man that he sent the prophet, the voice of God that was in that time, the last prophet. By the way. They had had a prophet for 400 years that spoke God's truth from, from Malachi to John the Baptist. 
Strike one. Strike two. God the Son, Jesus coming, and they condemned him, and they let the Romans, and they allowed, they put him over to the Romans to be crucified. God the Son, and now strike three. You stiff-necked people, verse one says, you're always resisting the Holy Spirit as your ancestors did. It was strike three. This thing that began in Israel, this thing that began with the Jewish people, and can I tell you something? God's judgment may not be on your timing, but it always does come. Because in 87, the Romans came and they destroyed Jerusalem. And so we see almost like a changing of a guard. Not that the Jews are not God's chosen people anymore, but we see something happening. Because, because out of this, for the Jews, it was condemnation. But for the church, it was liberation. You see, they, they, they just kept kind of staying all together. This is close to their home. They were near the temple, and that's where they wanted to. And, and what did Jesus tell them? You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. So often we sit there and we get stuck in our Jerusalem like, hey, we're just going to stay here. And God's like, no, this is, this is a global message. This is a global movement. I need you to start moving. And from this point on, the church is, we're, we're going to study next week. What that persecution actually did is it spread the church. Now it's, it's so interesting to me, all through the New Testament, when I read when the church is persecuted, it grows. When everything is going well for the church, it shrinks. It's one of the things that I think that's happened in America. We've had it so good for so long, we've become complacent. You look at the church in China, the church in North Korea, that is underground, that is just surviving by hiding, and just how explosive the growth has been. The church in the Middle East, one of the largest areas in the world where, where people are coming to know Christ. So, so there are consequences, and the truth of consequences is in our obedience and, and in everything I do, God will use that for the good because now, now, all of a sudden, we're going to find out in the next couple of chapters that it's not just about the Jews. We're going to find out about a guy named Paul, and who was Paul or Saul? Man, he, he became the pastor for the Gentiles. In fact, most of the New Testament, majority of the New Testament was written by him planting churches and, and spreading the gospel. We, we see it going out to not just the Jewish, it's not just the Jewish sect anymore. It's not just a small little like group, this break off of the Jewish religion. It's becoming a global movement that is spreading and spreading and spreading. And I don't believe anything would, that would have never happened if the Jews would have just said, if they would have taken Gamaliel's advice, which we talked about last week, just like, hey, leave them alone. If it's of God, we can't do anything about it anyway. They fulfilled his prophecy because, man, the church explodes after this throughout the region. Church, there, there is so much power in being obedient. About being willing to run the race that God has placed for me, no matter where it leads about standing up and speaking out and, and being bold in that. There's so much power in obedience. And, and I know we look at that saying like, uh, you know, but I don't want to get stoned. I, I don't want to do this. I, I just want to tell you, nowhere in the Bible are you called to be a martyr. Well, instead, we are called to be a living sacrifice. 
ready to die if necessary. I'm not, I'm not telling you to go get on a plane today and go straight into Tehran and go into Tehran and stand in the middle of the street in Tehran and say, like, Jesus is the way, because that's just stupid. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're going to die. Unless God's telling you that right now, and go ahead with my blessing, and, and we'll remember you always. <laughs> God doesn't call us to be a martyr. He just calls us to be obedient. He calls us to be a living sacrifice. And, and in fact, it's, I don't know if you've ever heard of the missionary guy named Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was in Ecuador. Um, they, they were trying to minister to a tribe that's in the jungles of the Amazon and everything. If you want to read, there's a great book. It's called The Point of the Spear. Read it. Read it. Where they were just trying to reach people. And what happens is they landed on a beach in 1956. And they're like, hey, we are going to reach out to these people. Him and his friends, um, Nick Saint, or his, Nick Saint's dad, I think, um, and they're there, and they come out of the bush, and they take their spears, and they kill these guys and murder these guys. Modern-day martyrs. And you look at that and says, man, that's horrible. Today, most of that tribe is followers of Christ. Because a few years later, his wife, Elizabeth, decided, like, I'm going to go live with the people that murdered my husband. And revealed the grace of God. And it changed everything. We're just called to be obedient. And sometimes that obedience leads us to places that we don't want to go. And it may not be a martyr. But we are called to be a living sacrifice. That's what Paul talks about in Romans 12. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, I urge you, present your body as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Not singing songs, not showing up at church, but being a living sacrifice every single day. That is worship. When we are being the church outside of these walls and living it out there, we are worshiping God. We are not doing it when we're just here singing songs. We get a message and we leave and nothing changes. And so, holy and pleasing God, this is your spiritual. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Look different. Live different. Be different because Christ has made us different. And the world will see that. But the truth is, the truth is it is harder to live for him than it is to die for him. Isn't it? We die for him. It may be just quick. It's done. It's over. Absent from the body. Present with the Lord. I mean, that's what Paul wanted. Paul's like, you know, for me to live, for me to die would be so much better. I'd be with Christ. I'd be in, I'd be in heaven. I'd be in his presence. For me to live is going to be suffering. It's going to be hard. And so, so often it's, it's, it, is, it is harder to live for him than to die. But you and I are called to run our race. Turn over to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. This is what Paul writes. Verse 7, he says, But everything that was gained to me I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. Everything outside of Jesus, everything that was...